Jan Price talks to the movers and shakers in the film business. The Jan Price Show, all about movies. You're listening to The Jan Price Show, and today my guest is writer-director Harula Rose. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Jen. You're, you're welcome. And we're going to talk about your brand new, your very first feature film, Once Upon a River, which is just a lovely movie, interesting movie, and I'm like looking forward to getting into this in more depth. Um, so our audience knows what we're talking about. Tell us a, a little bit about what this Once Upon a River is all about. Well, Once Upon a River is, it first was a novel written by Bonnie Jo Campbell, this incredible writer based in Michigan. Um, and we went to the same college, although at different times we both went to the University of Chicago and I fell in love with the book. And then I reached out to her and I could immediately see it becoming a film. And um, then it was just a process of adapting it, which is, you know, a tricky thing to do because the book is, it spans a longer time period. And, uh, and then it sort of takes on its own life once the script is in place and you start getting the right team of people. And story-wise, it's an odyssey. It's a journey story of this young woman coming into her own in the, in the late seventies in Michigan on this mythical named river, the Stark river, um, that's based on St. Joe. And it's her journey of self-discovery as well as the river. (laughs) Yeah. So it's, it's her figuring out how to, you know, be a person essentially and taking in all these different experiences, being a young woman and in kind of a man's world. And I thought it was a beautiful character that I hadn't seen before. That's sort of like people talk about her as being akin to a Huckleberry Finn or, or one of those characters, but, but a young woman. And I found that all very intriguing that she knew how to know how to skin animals and knows how to shoot and hunt and live on the water and travel by boat. And, you know, she hitchhikes and it's a road movie that I hadn't really seen before. No, no. And, you know, it, it is, she's a, it, it, this takes place in the late seventies, but she is a pioneer woman, uh, certainly, you know, throw back to another era um, in a way because yeah, during the seventies, even now, there's not many women out there. I'm sure I hate to say that, but who probably know how to shoot and skin and do all of those kinds of things, perhaps that uh, she does. Talk about the, the the young actress who plays uh, the main character, uh, and I'm going to hopefully say her name correctly, Kennedy. Kennedy. Yeah, um, it looks Serna? like it should be Kennedy. It's actually Kennedy. Yeah, Kennedy De La Serna. Oh. It's her first feature as well. Um, she's she's been an acting student, and uh, so there's a lot of firsts. It was our cinematographer's first feature, and it, was, it made it all a very special experience. But Kennedy discovering her was a real piece of magic. Um, because it, it was coming at the very end of when I would have had to postpone yet even longer. And uh, it's one of those movie magic stories. We got the tape and I flew out to meet her and she was just perfect for it. Where was she that you had to fly to meet her? Uh, I was scouting locations and putting together my team in the Midwest outside of Chicago. And we shot in rural Illinois, like up near the Wisconsin border. And um, and she was based out of the Bronx in New York, going to this acting conservatory. And I was scouring, you know, we had this wonderful casting director and location casting too. And we just couldn't find, I, I just was never convinced of anybody. And then this tape came in at the 11th hour with this girl and I remember thinking, oh, that's her. And so since she was in New York and I had to do these tests with these old lenses with Charlotte, our cinematographer, anyway, I said, 
we're going to come out to New York and meet with you. And when, when Kennedy tells the story, it's funny. She thinks that she was being duped at the time. She was like, wait, I just sent this in. How is this real? (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. That is funny. So she, um, because this, she is absolutely really stunningly beautiful and, and in this film, but, uh, there's so much where there's no dialogue. And mm-hmm. in this movie, and I and um, I studied film and acting myself, so I know how difficult it is to um, definitely emote uh, with just your eyes and your face. And she does an excellent job doing that. Was that something that was uh, difficult for you as a director to direct her in those scenes, or was that something that was comfortable for both of you? Did you have a shorthand that you developed? Yeah, that's a great question. Thank you for such an awesome question. Um, I feel it was a number of factors. One was that so much of it was in her essence and her openness and her ability to just like hold the camera in a sustained moment and still be authentic. And I think also the, the instinct of we would just drop into a sort of emotional space and I would sometimes I wouldn't necessarily need to direct her per se, but I would be just sort of holding this open space and and give her a a scenario to be thinking about or feeling. And then she would just go there and and be able to hold it and, and be in that space. It was really cool. And Charlotte, there's this interesting trifecta where, you know, you have the, the camera, the, camera operator, the cinematographer, also having their instincts of how best to be present. And we sort of developed our shorthand. As soon as that lens test happened, when I flew to meet her, we all kind of fell into it right away. It just felt right. Wonderful. And the three of you, this is your first feature. Um, And and the cinematography is wonderful in this movie. It really is. It uh, captures the mood um, of the film uh, and many of the scenes, um, certainly the pictures you 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 shot this and um, what Antioch, was it Antioch, Illinois? Is that where you were? Yeah, yeah, Antioch. And Woodstock, Woodstock, New York. That's right. Yep. So why those two places? Because they're not nearby each other. What was filmed where? Oh, yeah. So I would say we had, gosh, like 21 or 22 days in, in Antioch, Illinois, and that surrounding area. And there's so many lakes and rivers and woods. And um, it's just so many people don't actually know how beautiful the Midwest is. You know, Michigan, we couldn't shoot there in the end. There was a better tax credit in Illinois, and it just made more sense for where the crew and the cast were. Um, but then when I was editing in New York, I did all of my post-production there. Then I realized there were still two days that we needed that was just Kennedy in the woods, just Margot Crane's character in the woods. And Woodstock has a similar landscape and terrain of those that kind of vegetation, that kind of waterscape. And so we just got a cabin up in the woods and shot those remaining moments. And, and like you said, there are so many internal contemplative cinematic moments where you don't need a ton of people, but you know what's going on inside of her. And, and her, her arc to me was always very interesting because it is internal. I, I like to see it as she starts the film as a girl with no real voice. And then by the end, she's a woman and she's inhabiting this space of her own.
Yes, yeah, very, very well said. Very well said. And, and um, I, well, I, I grew up part of my life. I lived all over the country. Part of my life in the Midwest. So when I was younger, so I know how beautiful. I lived in Illinois, Michigan, Ohio. Um, so I know how beautiful the Midwest can be and is. It's we have a beautiful country, actually. So and I lived in New York, so I understand how beautiful New York, upstate New York, and and uh, New York City. So um, yeah, we we do. We have a beautiful country. Uh, all over. It's, we're, we're blessed in this country. So As, yes. And, and so for you, um, obviously, uh, you, you've been at many, many, many film festivals, and I was happy to see that you were at the Woodstock Film Festival. Um, and you've won lots of awards for this film. Talk, talk, talk about that, because you really have been in many, many film festivals. Be- while there were film festivals still going on <laughs> in, the, in the country. Yes. The oh, my God. You're asking so many amazing questions. I could talk for ages. Um, well, the festivals Good. were so special. And, and who knew that it would be such a romanticized time, you know, especially in the year 2020, that I'm supposed to write a piece on on our festival trajectory for this amazing website that I love called The Talk House. And I've had a hard time writing it because I'm remembering this the, the great before, as I like to call it, before all this... <laughs> chaos and, um, you know, whatever is taking over our lives is taking over. But I feel like it was valuable in the time because, you know, especially for this cast and crew to to be able to see it on a big screen and share it with audiences. And we'd have so many beautiful sold out audiences. And I love seeing it resonate as as much in Europe where we went uh, as as much there as it did, you know, with the Navajo Nation. Um, It was really a special trajectory. And I'm so glad that we had that. And I feel as though the awards just add to hopefully more eyeballs on the film. Ultimately, we just want people to to see the story and experience it and, and be in her shoes for that 90 minutes and maybe read the book and just be exposed to this kind of raw beauty and story and character. Well, you also have won, you just, you personally as best director, um, you know, at the Bend Film Festival, which is a very prestigious um, film festival and the Boston Film Festival and, you know, Sun Valley. I mean, you've won quite a few. I mean, this film has been amazingly received and um, lovely to see all of the awards, especially as a first-time filmmaker. So for you, I mean, that had to be obviously incredibly exciting, but how does it, how does this translate for you going forward with your next feature film? I think it, again, it's so interesting and meta, you know, art and life imitating each other. Um, And then I sometimes don't know which direction it goes, (laughs) but I feel that for me, it, it, it gives me the confidence to know that I can for sure trust my instincts moving forward in a way that I already did, but it, it's sort of nice to have that external validation and, and have some some of my team and colleagues already sorted out, you know, moving forward. That's pretty cool. And I feel very, very lucky. Um and it also hopefully makes it easier logistically to say, oh, I've gotten to prove myself and we got to make this thing together and it, it got all this love out there in the world and hopefully people see it and it's well received and then it makes it easier for the next one. But again, this is such an interesting time to be putting out a film because I don't know when this next project would take place. You know, uh, I came to Tennessee to be scouting locations, so it's good to be doing all of that work, but I don't know when we're actually going to shoot. <laughs> So interesting. Yeah, do you, you have a film already that you're working on? Yeah, it's a it's a really beautiful story, also a journey story, and there's 
There's actually several in different stages of development, but one in particular that has an amazing team um, already coming together. And I'm I'm so excited about it, but it's such a strange time. So I think I have to keep reminding myself to stay focused on, you know, the present moment and being with family and friends and sharing this film and just getting this out there and, and as much as we can. Uh, hopefully people want to be outdoors in October when we're cooped up again and <laughs> they want to take this journey on the river with, with, with these people. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, we call it BC, you know, before COVID. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, when you have a major production such as Batman um, and Robert Pattinson having tested positive for COVID-19 and having to shut down that production, um, it's got to be incredibly difficult for independent films uh, to go back and start to film again. Um, you know, do you have a... I haven't asked anybody this question and the show is, you know, dedicated to independent filmmakers and documentarians, but do you have a feel for how going forward with all of these um, restrictions that are going to be in place as far as production, how that's going to impact independent film going forward? Do you have a yes, thought about is, that? I, yeah, I have several thoughts, many thoughts. I, I feel like this is a conversation I'm having constantly. I did a, a Zoom script reading of one of the projects that um developing with, with various colleagues, and we were all talking about that, too. Like, how do we, is there a way in which we can make something that's so intimate that you can sort of bypass a lot of the concerns you would have on a bigger on a show of a bigger nature like Batman because it is so intimate to begin with. I like working with a small crew and having these moments to, to explore performance and, you know, that, that kind of thing makes me think independent film will survive because if you know how to do a lot with a little, that's always a good thing, but it does mm-hmm. add this sort of expense in terms of, um, insurance or if if you want to make sure that you have the time in between things to be sanitary and having these people like COVID techs, certain people that can make sure that you're adhering to the protocols and just making sure everyone's being as safe as possible and quarantining together. There are ways to do it. It just adds a bit more of an expense onto something that already is always a miracle when it happens when when any movie happens i think it's a miracle especially independent movies i agree i agree that's why this show is dedicated to (laughs) and documentaries because they have the hardest time raising the funds to get their films uh completed and yet they're Mm -hmm. so essential to to our um our being. I mean, they're much more, in many ways, I find them many more, so much more interesting than some of the big blockbusters. And because so many of the big blockbusters have gone the way of the comic book genre, um, mm-hmm. because that's what people want to see in the big movie, on the big movie screen. And I do believe movies need to be seen uh, in, in the mm-hmm. movie theater. I, I say that. But right now, obviously, that's not happening because many theaters still are not open in this country. Um, and you have the big movie like Tenet out right now and and um although it's done world worldwide it's done fairly well in the states not as much because it's not on that many screens so i see there's a lot of discussion in the industry right now about where do we go from here you know i mean they are 
you know, some people are giving the death knell to movie theaters. And I certainly hope that the small independent movie theaters, which, you know, have always struggled, um, don't collapse during this, that they, you know, do come back and that we do have those, that experience of seeing these kinds of intimate films on a smaller, you know, movie screen and a smaller, more intimate uh, uh, theater. And it's, it's yeah, not because I, agree. I think that it, it, hands, yeah. it enhances it. Yeah, I agree. I think that it is a collective experience and it does add to a conversation, just being able to feel a certain moment together. And I think it, part of what everyone misses so much about the world before, I like that BC <laughs> abbreviation, <laughs> even though it's so sad, um, is just this, this idea of having these shared collective experiences. It's as simple as a hug or seeing a concert or going to, to share a film and have a discussion afterwards uh, or an argument or however it's framed. I think people miss that desperately. And um, I think people are going to keep missing that. And I think it, that that's also why I'm really excited to be partners with a distributor who's, you know, riding this wave and doing this really cool, innovative thing, which is the virtual cinematic release. Cause we had to kind of, weigh the pros and the cons like do you want to do limited theatrical for a smaller film do you want to do this virtual cinema release but release you know all over the place like we're in actual physical theaters in Canada but in the U.S. we're doing this virtual cinematic release which is helping to keep theaters stay alive um, buying this exclusive ticket the way you would to go see a film at the theater and then you get this exclusive window to see the film at home and we still get to talk to to people like you out there about the film and try to get as much awareness and press as, as can be possible. And then that, that money goes to both the, the film and, and the theater. So I feel, I feel good about that because I think it is important to keep supporting all these venues so that they don't all close. No, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, it's so important. It's so essential. Uh, I believe that we, continue uh, when this is over whenever we we don't know um when that will be i mean i have no qualms about going to the theater uh right now because you know they we can sit far apart that you know we, we can mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know they, you picked your seat in advance that you were we were doing that before this um and you know I, I feel safe about going back to a movie theater i'm certainly not a being jammed in a theater with a lot of people obviously but they're right. you know the way they're doing so many things nowadays um mm-hmm. but it's interesting because this industry, I mean, when this first happened, you know, I saw the industry kind of stand still, you know, just for about a blip of time. I'm going to say a couple of weeks. And then all of a sudden, this very creative industry got very creative and, mm-hmm. and wh- how we are releasing films and how we're viewing films. And and um, because of the way, it, you know, I was saying earlier to someone, you know, there's a longevity to these movies because of the fact that they are coming, as you say, virtual cinema, they're going on VOD, they're going on digital platforms. Platforms, and people are looking for something to watch all the time. That's true. We, we yeah. have become these major consumers. Or I think we're watching more than ever, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. because we're inside. So that's why it's been interesting because uh, for me, uh, my show has been, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm booked very far in advance now. Um, I can't even get everybody on the show that'd like to be on the show, which is a nice place to be. 
because so many, great. yeah, yeah, <laughs> because so many are going on, you know, uh, these platforms that are going to be out there for a long periods of time. So again, a show can air, you know, after, you know, we used to push the, you know, for the premiere and, and do all the publicity and try to get everything out there for the opening of a film because we were so worried about the box office. And we don't have that right. now, you know. It's, right. And so it's a it's changed the industry. And in a way, I think it's uh, hopefully, I think there's going to be a lot of good coming out of this, is my belief system. That, I feel um, that way too. I do, I do feel that way. I think that, you know, there is a sense that it just sort of sped up this inevitability that, oh, people aren't going to ever leave their homes again. But I actually think the opposite is happening and people really want to have those experiences and we will have them again. But in the meantime, you have to be innovative and get creative um, and make sure to still be able to, to get people watching different stories and a variety of, of said stories. So it's not all so limited. I think it's important to think about like, what are people watching and what are we consuming and making sure that we're, you know, being being careful and considerate of, of everyone so that there's still independent films and there's still big budget films and that people can still survive and, and tell those stories. I think, I don't know, I feel like a lot of good will happen because it sort of levels everything out in a way. Um, mm-hmm. So maybe there's more space for people to reach people where they normally wouldn't. I, I mean, I don't know, I have to I have to stay positive. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> If we don't, then we are really, yeah, yeah, we have to definitely stay positive. I want to talk a little bit about the casting. You have John Ashton, who is just so wonderful in this movie. Uh, Talk a little bit about um, how you attracted him to this project. He plays Smoke which mm-hmm. I, I just loved the, the name of his character. And then I also want to talk about, um, was it Fishbone, too? Mm-hmm. The oh, yeah. Fishbone. Fishbone. Yeah, Ken is Head. It? He's amazing. He's an incredible uh, Chicago actor, but he also has done, you know, things in off-Broadway and in New York and everywhere in the theater across the country. He's wonderful, too. I, I had known John Ashton's work um, and I reached out to his manager and, and his manager sent him the script and said, um, you know, he'd like to talk with you. He, he really gravitated towards the character. And then it was, it was incredible. John just really responded and really got it. And we had an amazing conversation and then, and he was on board and he's a true champion of independent cinema. Like he, such a team player and all of us were so inspired by him and learned so much just working with him is amazing he's the best he's so funny he, you know people may not know the name as much but they'll know his face when they see him and he's been in a lot of amazing films Beverly Hills Cop Midnight Run Gone Baby Gone he's you know he's been around a long long time but he was just uh, it was just wonderful and this and then Ken uh, head, I just thought he was. I loved how they interplayed, and he's <laughs> very familiar too. And he's been in ER and Chicago Fire mm-hmm. and other. Yeah, but, yeah. But go ahead, go ahead. Talk a little bit about. Oh, him they're and, just, um, they're both amazing character actors, and I feel like I don't even love using the term character actor because I feel like that's what actors should be like: be able to morph mm-hmm. into these things, and you don't even recognize them from one film to another on some level. And they both have that quality, and then they have this awesome interplay of energy um, 
both in, in real life and as their characters. It was really fun to work with them and to, to see that, like they just have a very, uh, a very lovingly antagonistic relationship on screen. And I, I love seeing that, that trifecta with Kennedy's character, like watching that ping pong between them and, and being like, wait a second, there's this scene where she speaks up for herself. And it's, it's always really great to watch where she sort of um, scolds these two grown men for basically talking about her like she's not even there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought that was a great scene, too. <laughs> so funny. Well, everyone, search for this movie, Once Upon a River. It, it, it's on virtual cinema. It will be out on VOD and digital coming up. It, it's out on VOD and digital, and it, I highly recommend it. It's just a lovely, it's, a, it's just a, you know, it is. It's just a wonderful journey, and it is a film for, uh, I definitely say you could have your uh teenagers watch this film, you know, too, because I think they'll relate to it very well. Harula, I wish you much success with this movie. Thank you so much, Jan. This is such a lovely conversation, and I feel so excited to be talking to you. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you. It's a joy, a joy. Much success. You can listen to The Jam Price Show whenever and wherever. You can go to thejampriceshow.com where all my shows are archived. And you can also listen on the iHeart Podcast Network, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, anywhere you like to listen to your favorite podcast. And also you follow us on Instagram and Twitter at The Jam Price Show. And go to The Jam Price Show on Facebook and like it. Thank you all for listening. Jan Price talks to the movers and shakers in the film business. The Jan Price Show, all about movies.